0: Talk about love your neighbor as yourself, which is in today's Torah portion. Rabbi Akiva calls it the great principle of the Torah, and it's discussed several places in Scripture, and I'm going to be in some of them. On Tuesday night, we've been going through the book of Luke, the travel narrative, his final trip to Jerusalem. And one of the things that we've studied recently is the lawyer who desires to test him, and I'll read that for you. the lawyer stood up to put him to the test, which is to say everybody there knew what the answer was. Of course, you all know that from there we go to the tale of Good Samaritan, which he gives to define who your neighbor is, and then we go to Mary and Martha, which is the next story, which is how do you love God. And I'm not going to go through those. I'm just indicating to you that it was well known in Yeshua's time that love your neighbor as yourself was a primary commandment in the Torah. And, of course, it's in today's Torah portion. It's also in the Beatitudes, and I'll get to those at the end. That's in Luke and Matthew. But let's go to the one we have today. In Leviticus 19.18, it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Vengeance for what? In other words, love your neighbor as yourself is sort of the final tag on some stuff that goes before. It's not just sort of plopped in there all by itself. You should love your neighbor as yourself. No, it's the end of a sentence with something going before which says you shall not take vengeance. So in order to figure that out, we actually have to back up another verse. So let's read it entirely. Verse 17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin for him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yehovah. So taking vengeance would seem to be what follows from hating your brother. So, we shouldn't hate our brother, right? Wrong. It's not what it says says, do not hate your brother in your heart. Why do you suppose that just sort of thrown in? Did God have a couple extra words he wanted to use and just sort of plopped them in there? I suggest they mean something, and they're there for a reason. So the commandment is not not to hate your brother. The commandment is not to hate your brother in your heart. Now, by the way, this little riff that I'm going through right now, I got from Rabbi David Forman, who's my current favorite rabbi. This is not original with me just so everybody understands. And he got it, by the way, from the Ramban. So it's pretty standard stuff in the Jewish literature. So it appears to be not forbidden to hate your brother. What's forbidden is to take it into your heart. Now, one of the things that happens in groups of people is things go wrong. We all step on each other's toes, either on purpose or by accident. We all get rubbed the wrong way. So the question is, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with conflict between you and your brother? And that's what this passage is talking about. What it says is, you will not take it into your heart and bear a grudge or take vengeance. So what's a grudge and what's vengeance? The example that Foreman uses is, say, that I wanted to borrow Rory's axe. I know roy has got lots of axes and chainsaws, and he can afford to lend me an axe. I know he's got one. roy e says, no, can't borrow my axe. Now, I've got two ways I can go here. The next time roy e comes to me and says, hey, I need to borrow your truck, no, can't borrow my truck. That's taking vengeance. roy e didn't lend me his axe, so I'm going to get back at him the next time he needs something. And I'm going to make sure that I get mine back here and let him know that, no, you can't use my truck, Roy, because you wouldn't lend me your axe. That's taking vengeance. Almost worse is he comes to me and asks me for my truck, and I lend him my truck. But the thing that's going through my mind is I'm not one of these guys that doesn't lend my stuff like somebody else. I'm the bigger person. I'm going to lend him my truck even though that so-and-so wouldn't lend me his axe. That's a grudge. And what the Torah says is you won't do that. That's really hard. So the question then becomes, what do you do? Well, turns out that that's in this passage too. It says, reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Now, what I need to figure out is how do I reason with Roy E about his acts without incurring sin? So one of the things I could do is I could stand up in front of you all and say, Roy E wouldn't lend me his axe, and everybody knows what a skinflint Roy E is. So what I've done is I've reasoned with Roy E all right, but I've done it in such a way that I have committed a sin because I've embarrassed him. And I've held him up for ridicule in front of you all. And everybody knows, little well, Roy, if you need an axe, he won't give you one. Which is, oh, by the way, Roy is not a very good person. So when it says reason with Roy about his axe, what you've got to do is you've got to figure out how to go to Roy and tell him, I'm really chapped. You didn't lend me your axe. But you've got to figure out a way to do it so that he'll hear it. And so in my little example here, if I were to just stand up in front of everybody and say that, boy, Roy-E is just going to get his back up, and I'll say, well, I wouldn't lend him my axe, because the last time I lent him an axe, he brought it back, and the handle was all splintered, and I can't trust him with an axe, So that's why I didn't give him my axe. So Roy-E is going to do this and get justified and all that kind of stuff. So this problem doesn't get solved because I have sinned against Roy-E in response to his original sin to me. So when it says, reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin, that tells me I have got to figure out how to talk to him about my problem because I'm still grumpy. I'm the guy without an axe, and I need one, and I'm grumpy. So i got to talk to him. So why would I not? Anybody bear a grudge against anybody? Why would you not do that? Why would you not go and reason with your brother and figure out a way to tell him so that you can get that Why would you not do that? Fear. Anybody grow up in a family? People in your family know where your buttons are? So one of the reasons we might not do it is because we don't want to know that whatever they have done has scored points against us. In other words, we don't want them to know that that button really works because long experience tells us that once they know where the button is, they'll keep mashing on it right? That's what families do, unfortunately. So there's lots of reasons why you might not want to talk to your neighbor about this grudge you're bearing against him. And so what you do is you bury it in your heart. And it's there, and it's going to come out. You may tell yourself that, oh, okay, I can handle this. I'm bigger than that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to refrain from lending Roy my truck. I'm a bigger man. But it's in there. As I've said many times before, and I'll say again, bitterness is a poison that you take hoping it will kill somebody else. So I've got this festering inside of me because Roy wouldn't lend me his axe, that so-and-so. And And it will come out. It will come out somewhere. And what the Torah is saying here is letting it out in a controlled way so that you can solve the problem with your friend is much more healthy than letting it come out somewhere else. And in many cases, when I do take vengeance against Roy Yee, he won't have any idea what happened. He won't remember the thing about the act six months ago. And, you know, it's gone. And, and all of a sudden, I've just blindsided him with something completely different. And he goes, where'd that come from? And it continues to snowball. Because it always comes out. Now, if I go to Roy, and I say to Roy, Roy, I am really ticked with you. You wouldn't lend me your axe. There's four things that can happen. When I make my case to Roy, thing number one could be, when I lay it out in the open, I might find out I don't actually have a case. It may, in fact, be that he has sent every one of his axes down to be sharpened. I didn't have an axe to lend you that day. They were all in the shop being sharpened. So it may be, I don't have a case at all, and the thing goes away. It may be it's an old misunderstanding. I was kind of reluctant to lend you one of my axes, because the last time I lent you an axe, it came back all chipped up and damaged, and the handle was, and I, I quite frankly, I'm reluctant to lend you an axe. Okay. Now we've got something we can talk about. He can show me how to sharpen an axe so I can give it back to him, or something. But the point is, it's out in the open now. Thing number three is he can say, I'm sorry. I apologize. So forgiveness is now possible. And thing number four is, you so and so, I wouldn't lend you anything that I own for any reason whatsoever. Fine. Now we're enemies. But we're enemies out in the open. Now we both know where we stand. There isn't anything seething inside me that's going to come out some other way. We know we're enemies he did it on purpose, he wanted to hurt me, fine. Now we're straight. So what we have in each one of those cases is this thing that I have taken into my heart is now out of my heart, where it can't damage me anymore. I may be sorry that I have Rory for an enemy at the end of the day, but it's better for us to know that we're enemies than for me to walk around harboring this bitterness and resentment which is destroying me inside. So in the Torah, at least, it is not forbidden to hate your brother or your enemy. What's forbidden is for you to harbor this inside of yourself and have it be a festering poison within the community. That's what's forbidden. Now, let's move this forward to the Gospels, because the standard changes. But not really. You all know the Beatitudes. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Isn't that what I just got through describing to you? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, a couple of things. What led off the Torah portion? You shall be holy, as God is holy. This says you shall be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I believe the one in Luke is you shall be merciful even as your heavenly father is merciful now i know holiness perfection and mercy are not the same thing different words you can tell they're spelled differently but i will suggest that each one of these passages is talking about the same thing which is to say in some way you should exhibit the characteristics of god in one case holiness set apart in one case perfection completeness maturity and the other one, mercy or kindness, has said. So, in all cases, what we're talking about here is being godlike. And the first instance back there in the Torah, which we just went through, is okay, I realize that you're not always all going to get along. This is how you handle it in a godly way. So, now what it's saying is we're raising the bar a little bit. And we're saying, in order to be Godlike, what you have to do is put yourself in God's perspective. Now, how many of you have sinned? Everybody. And what it's saying here is God has looked upon your sin and has been long-suffering with you and has let you live even though you may have declared yourself an enemy of God. There are people walking around out there today, drawing breath every day, that are enemies of God. And the question then becomes... What is God trying to accomplish by not toasting those sinners right on the spot? Go, Zip, smite button, down they go. What's God trying to accomplish? Mercy, loving kindness. He's also giving them an opportunity to be changed by demonstrations of his love, which is your job, by the way. Demonstrations of his love, that, that's yours. Okay, You're the guys that do that. What he's trying to do, God is trying to do, is he's not willing that any should perish. And so he doesn't take vengeance on people right away. Because he gives them an opportunity to come around and change their minds. And so what he's saying when he says, you guys be like God, is when your enemy has got you the wrong way, what you want to do is you want to Show him the characteristics of God so that he has an opportunity to become something other than your enemy. Now, does that say that you continue to get abused by your enemy? Not necessarily. One of my very, very, very favorite stories, and I've told it in here before and I'll tell it again. This guy grew up in a rough neighborhood and went off into the army and so forth, but he was a tough guy. And in the army, he learned how to box. And so when he got out of the army, he came back to his old neighborhood. And he had become a believer while he was in the army also. And so he came back into his old neighborhood with the idea of doing missions work. And some of the guys that knew him before decided they were going to check him out. And so they came and knocked on his door, and he opens the door, and one of them just smacks it. What's that for? He gets up, and, and then the other one smacks him. And he said, gentlemen, God says, turn the other cheek. I have no further instructions beyond that. And then he proceeded to just beat the whop out of him. <laughs> so turning the other cheek is not the same as be a punching bag. But what it is is give your enemy an opportunity to see the love of God through you. That's what we've been talking about Mussar. Remember the, the attributes of Masara we've been talking about? All your personality traits? The idea is so that the light of God can work through you to your enemy. So what Yeshua is doing is he's upgrading, if you will, the lesson of the Torah. It's really the same lesson. Be like God. Isn't that what the lesson was in the Torah? Be like God. Well, there are lots of attributes of God, and what Yeshua is doing is emphasizing... Maturity, which is what perfection is, and loving kindness or mercy, which is what chesed is. What the Torah happened to be emphasizing is justice. And those are all good things. I'm not one of these guys that says loving kindness has replaced justice. It hasn't. Because eventually, if you don't come around, God's universe will, in fact, exact a price for your behavior. It's just the way it is. So it's not that God is a patsy or a pushover. That's not the case. Nor should you be. But God does show us his loving kindness from day to day. And so should you. And that's what the Beatitudes are saying. All right, so so we'll wrap up. What the Torah gives us when it says, love your neighbor as yourself. In most of the churches that I have been in and grown up with, it just sort of gets laid out there without any instructions on how to do it. In other words, it's as if you're supposed to cobble up this emotion that you don't feel. What the Torah gives us is practical advice on how to love your neighbor. That's the whole purpose of this little riff that we went through. Don't take it into your heart. Don't store it up as a grudge. Don't take vengeance. Instead, Get it out on the table where it can be dealt with. And then at the end of the day, if in fact you are still enemies, fine. It's not required that you like everybody. The Bible talks of enemies all over the place. David had enemies. Saul had enemies. Saul was David's enemy. So the fact that you have enemies in this world is not the thing that is sinful. The thing that winds up being sinful is when you take that into your heart and let it fester, and it comes out in unexpected places that nobody can deal with. That's the problem. And to the extent that you can be like your father and rise even higher and show love to your enemies, that's even better. And like I say, showing love to your enemies, that's your job. But as in my boxer example, you turn the other cheek, you get hit a second time. After that, you have no further instructions from the Lord.